Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello, and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and I want to thank you for joining us here on episode 74. Today, we are going to feature an interview with a guest who lives in the island of Bermuda, beautiful place out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And I was actually there in November for the Bermuda Entrepreneurship Summit. Some of you have probably heard me talk about this before because we've had some other guests on this podcast that I've met there, including uh, Shannon Slevin, who was there presenting at the Bermuda Entrepreneurship Summit which was coordinated by my friend Matt Thomas, who was on episode 45, and his business partner, Jared Kleinert. And it was a really great experience. It brought together all sorts of entrepreneurs on the island of Bermuda, but also brought a lot of people from outside the island, including myself there. And so it was really a beautiful place. And even in November, when you think this this place is on the latitude of North Carolina, And it was just beautiful, pretty warm, chilly by Bermuda standards, but actually still pretty nice. And while I was there, one of the people I met was Nathan Amaral. And Nate was actually taking photos uh, as as the hired photographer for the event I was at. And we started talking and I learned about all the different entrepreneurial activities that both he and his girlfriend are involved with on the island of Bermuda. And they're very young and they're maybe mid to late 20s and they are just doing all sorts of cool entrepreneurial things. And I said, why don't you come on the Agents of Innovation podcast? I mean, look at all the great innovative things you're doing and we could talk about it. So we finally had him on and uh, it's kind of an interesting time to have him on because Nate, most of his business activity and he has multiple business activities all revolve around events. And as we were having the interview... We're in the middle of a lockdown for the coronavirus, which hasn't affected Bermuda as much as it's affected many other places, but the whole world's pretty much locking down, and there are some cases in Bermuda, and it's a very small island, so you can imagine it would spread very quickly there, a very densely populated small island, and so all the events are locked down, including some big ones that he was expected to be a part of. So we're going to hear about Nate and his story, how he and his business are coping through that, Uh, But that's just one element, and we're going to hear about all the the cool things he's doing and why he's doing it and why he's passionate about it. And you're going to, I hope, love the enthusiasm out of Nate. And if your children are listening, there might be a few F-bombs, so just a warning. Uh, Also, at the end of this episode, we're going to hear a song by my friend Nick Gill. We had Nick on the very first episode of the Agents of Innovation podcast, and then we also had him on again uh, much later around uh, episode 30 or so. So um, actually episode 32. So you can hear Nick's story. Uh, I would say the updated one on episode 32 was the really good one. But Nick is the first person that I can remember who ever told me about Bermuda. He has family from Bermuda. And so I thought, hey, Nick, this is a great way to give you another shout out. And Nick has actually advanced beyond his music career now. He's doing acting. And actually, he's doing a lot of real estate living back in the Nashville area. But he's he I loved his music the first time I heard it when I met him about 10 years ago. 
and we've become great friends ever since. And so he's got a, a song that I think is fitting for our times called Row. And so I'm going to, we're going to hear uh, Nick Gill at the end of this episode, his song Row. And I encourage you to go and, and download Nick's music. And I think you'll really enjoy it. And he's always just has such uplifting music. And this is a great time to hear that. And I can, I can just imagine when you hear the words that waves are only water, you might think of the waves and the water surrounding Bermuda. And you may think of the waves and water surrounding us during these turbulent times in 2020. But remember, we will get through this. We'll be able to row through this. So thank you to Nate Amaral for being on this episode. We'll have him coming up just momentarily. And thank you for Nick Gill for producing some great music. And don't forget, we're also thanking you for listening. Thanking you for going to the agentsofinnovation.org webpage. Thanking you for finding the links there to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and following us on all those platforms so you can keep up with all of the people we've had here and all the updates we provide about them throughout the years. And also, we have some exciting things coming, so stay tuned. And thank you for subscribing to this podcast and subscribing your friends. And now, let's get to our interview with Nate Emeril. Well, I want to welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, Nathan Amaral, who comes to us from Bermuda. Nathan, welcome to the call. Thanks for having me, Francisco. Thank you. And and I should say welcome to the episode. Uh, We are on an Uber conference call. You know, um, we're, we're actually recording this during the great quarantine of 2020, which is not just, uh, consuming us here where I live in Florida, in the United States, but all over the world, people are are pretty quarantined. Um, but, but Nate, I feel like Bermuda's sort of quarantined all the time. You're just out there in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, just a little, little small island. Uh, so how is, uh, how is the quarantine happening for you? Well, uh, it's even more so now. Um, we've stopped all travelers from being able to visit. Um, the few places that can uh, send people here for medical reasons, still the government now requires them to be quarantined for 14 days before they're able to help out with uh, the situation here. But wow. luckily there's not people with the virus and things are continuing uh, relatively normally. So no Bermudans have the virus, but um, were you telling me that there were maybe like two cases of outsiders who have, who have come in to Marina with the virus? Uh, what it was is two Bermudians who picked it up while they were on, I believe, vacation. Um, one was, the other one was working in Britain and in, I believe, Boston. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully they will stay safe and hopefully your island will remain safe, healthy, and, and uh, quarantined, I guess, from the rest of us. But uh, let's, let's back this up, Nate. You and I met when I was in Bermuda in November uh, for the Bermuda Entrepreneurship Summit. Uh, my friends uh, Matt Thomas and Jarrett Kleiner, who run that summit, they are not Bermudans themselves, but they had worked with the local Bermudan government and other entrepreneurs in Bermuda to bring this summit there for a lot of people, especially more so Bermudans, to benefit and learn some entrepreneurial skills and traits. 
And you were actually working the event. And when I met you, we were on this wonderful catamaran, sort of a private, sort of little party going on there as part of the Bermuda Entrepreneurship Summit. And you were uh, one of the hired photographers at the time. And then we started talking and I learned you're like this jack of all trades entrepreneur. You've got so many things going on. And... Uh, <laughs> But anyway, you grew up in, born and raised in Bermuda, right? Yes, I was. So it's, uh, uh, yeah, I, was I was thinking this week that, or I, th I think it was actually last week, I asked you if there were any cases uh, as we were starting to all go into quarantine. And you said, no, there were not. And I said, I should freaking get on a flight there right now. <laughs> this, this would be a great place to be quarantined. It's such a beautiful place. Uh, it's it's sort of on the latitude for most people who aren't familiar. Uh, that's almost on the same latitude as say like North Carolina, but it has a warmer yep. feel than North Carolina. It doesn't have Definitely. quite the warmth of maybe say Puerto Rico year round, but for the most part, it is pretty warm and tropical there. And you were just telling me you were out getting some sun uh, yesterday. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a beautiful beautiful place it would be a great place if i had to be stuck anywhere yeah it definitely is a nice place to be um and i think things are going to go very well for us the government's taken appropriate measures to ensure that the country is made aware of the virus and the steps they should take to help mitigate the risk of catching it or spreading it um, yeah. I caught a little more sun today as well. Um, it's really, really starting to feel like spring here. Um, it was just laying out by the uh, pool outside earlier before uh, coming in to chat with you, actually. Well, great. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt your pool time, Nate, uh, but we're, <laughs> we're looking forward to hearing about you. You know, I, I when I was in Bermuda, you know, some of these things, you know, like Bermuda is sort of a place I, I've known about. right? It's like out there. Uh, my good friend, Nick Gill, who actually has been on this podcast, he has family in Bermuda. Uh, he actually helped design the intro music. Uh, he and I got together a couple years ago and designed the intro music for this podcast. So he's a great uh, musician, lives in Nashville now, but was born uh, or sort of a, was from uh, southern Alabama. But again, I said, uh, so he's always told me about Bermuda because he has uh, some family there. And uh, But anyway, uh, when I was thinking about Bermuda, you know, I mean, I, I, I had a, I had a general sense of Bermuda, but I didn't, you know, until you actually go and visit a place, you don't really learn about it as much or it doesn't come into your mindset as much. And so I'm a huge fan of history. And the last day I was there, well, for the first day I was there, I should say, I went for a run around the Hamilton area of the island, which is the capital city and where a lot of, you know, where the conference was and a lot of tourists come to that area. A lot of business travelers come to that area. A lot of, a lot of, you know, insurance and reinsurance companies there, Bacardi's there, right in that very small little area of Hamilton. So I went for a run mm -hmm. and I just started seeing all these like historical things. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful island. And, and then on the last day before I, I took off, near the airport area actually is uh, St. George's Island, which is the most historic area, I think, of Bermuda. And I got on a bike, I rented a bike and just went around all that area for a few hours, got to see a lot of the old forts with cannons and just where the ships that wrecked there, uh, how, how Bermuda was first formed. There were no native inhabitants. 
1609, some explorers that were on the way from, or I should say settlers that were on the way from England to Jamestown, which was founded in 1607. In 1609, they shipwrecked right there in Bermuda near that St. George's Island area that that is known for today. And I got to learn about that whole history of how a lot of these settlers, they rebuilt ships and then they continued on to Jamestown, but some stayed. And that was the beginning of the colonization of Bermuda. But what was even more interesting to me was like 60 years earlier, no, like a century earlier, in 1505, there was a Spanish explorer, Juan de Bermudez, who simply saw the island of Bermuda from many miles away while they were sailing from Spain down to Mexico. And he just logged it, just logged it in his little uh, journal. And about 40 years after that, yeah, about 40 years after that, he never even visited the island. Uh, 40 years after that, a French map of the world was published, and it showed the island La Bermuda, named after Juan de Bermudez. And I just thought that was fascinating. I was like, this is why you journal and keep notes. You know, uh, this is why I document a lot of things. Uh, but anyway, just it's really a cool little spot. Really in, cool. You just yeah, taught you, me something. Well, there you go. You didn't even know that history. Well, maybe I made it up. Uh, you know. Well, anyway, uh, I loved I loved just exploring and learning the history of Bermuda and just seeing the beauty, the beauty there and just meeting a lot of the people. And, and maybe it was because I was there at an entrepreneurship summit, but I felt like there was a very entrepreneurial attitude on the island. But tell me, um, so we're, here's what we're going to get into on the interview, Nate, so our our, our listeners know. Uh, so Nate, I mentioned you're, you're a photographer. I also learned you have a, a, a photo booth rental company. So a lot of people might be familiar with these for parties and things like that. It's Bermuda Photo Booth Rentals. You also have a laser light show company that you actually provide for all sorts of events and venues to have laser lights, and that is called the Beam Team, and we're going to learn a little more about that. I also know you have a, a little bit of a history with your family in construction. You're back doing a construction, working for a construction company now, and uh, I also know, especially following your Instagram, that you are a professional, how do I pronounce this, Mai Tai? I'm definitely not a professional, uh, but it, <laughs> yeah, it's professional Thai. Well, let's just say, uh, when I say professional, let's just say uh, very, very, uh, you know, you very much train a lot on this Muay Thai, which is basically <laughs> like kickboxing. So kickboxing, we know, is obviously you're like boxing with gloves plus kicking like let's just say like a karate type thing. And then, and then you're adding elbows and knees in the Mai Tai. So you've got it all going on. That's that keeps you in shape. Uh, and so I know you do this. Well, let's just say you might not be professional in your mind, but you actually uh, compete in competitions. So I want to learn a little more about all this. So we're going to hear about all this and just all the things you're up to, but let's uh, let's start Nate. We sometimes end the podcast this way, but I want to start by asking you, what was your first job? My first job ever was with my dad. Um, well, working for my dad when I was about, I want to say, 12. He used to own a construction company. And he uh, sent me to one of his job sites with uh, one of his uh, most trusted guys. And I helped out however I could. I carried around a couple buckets of water and m tried to make some cement. And just little, little jobs. 
Uh, did a lot of slacking. He gave me about four bucks, five bucks an hour. Um, but it was a good way to learn like work ethic. And this is when um, you were like 10 years old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, wanted the money to try and buy some video games. I think it was like GameCube, a GameCube game or a Game Boy game. Can't really remember what I was playing at that time, but something, something Nintendo. So you worked there when you were 10 and uh, what did you do next? And, and what, did, and what, is there anything you learned from that job that you sort of kept with you? Um, I think I, I learned a good work ethic from that job. Um, I learned it by watching the guys I was working with, um, watching how hard they worked, how diligently they worked day in, day out. And I found what I was doing tough and seeing what they were doing, um, really inspired me to get an education because I definitely didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. Uh, it's a tough job. Um, but after that, I moved into something a little easier. Uh, the next summer, I applied for a position at a shoe store. Uh, I got that. Um, I then moved on to what you guys would consider a Walmart, uh, but it was just a Bermudian-style one called Masters, and I worked there on a sales floor. Um, then I went to work for a construction company that I'm currently working for now. I was a laborer for a number of summers. I then moved into some bartending. I was about 18 at the time. It seemed like a, like a good uh, fit for me. And it was, uh, but after a couple summers and, uh, winter breaks of doing that in between my schooling, I kind of grew out of it. I was uh, becoming more of a morning person, less of a night owl. So upon graduating from university in uh, Canada, which was Dalhousie, which is in a city called Halifax, for those who don't know, um, I got into insurance. And I worked as an insurance broker at a company called Aon for about two years. I... uh, Gave it a good go. It seemed glamorous when I got into it, but once, you know, a year, almost two years had gone by, I'd realized, you know what, this really isn't for me. I uh, expected it to just be different. And I think I need to try and find something that's just more suited to my personality. Yeah. So, and, um, and Nate, I just want to stop you there. Uh, I want have a couple questions for you as you're kind of guiding us through your life experience, especially as a, as a Bermudan. So you went to Canada for your higher education. Is yeah. this, is this typical? Are there other, I mean, Bermuda is so, so small. I mean, tell us how small Bermuda is. I mean, it's how, how many miles wide and, and long? Oh yeah. It's uh 21 miles long, about two miles wide of the widest part. So it's about uh, 21 square miles, and our population is slightly above 60,000. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's it's a beautiful island. One thing that really struck me is sometimes you go to these sort of you know these Caribbean islands, and you might have some nice parts, but a lot of it is a lot of there's a lot of poverty, and there's a lot of you know just you know not. the bad neighborhoods but i just i felt like it was a uh, a very uh wealthy island a very you know sort of uh just just beautiful 
beautiful place. Now, you know, I don't want to use the word glamorous or anything, but there, I'm sure it has its glamorous spots. But it's uh, it just seemed overall like a very just nice place, very well kept, and and you know, again, a lot of money's pouring in there as well from the uh, insurance and reinsurance companies that are based there. But and I want to ask you about that. But the the higher education, I don't know, is are there higher education opportunities in Bermuda or do people typically go outside of Bermuda and where do they typically go? There is a college here in Bermuda and it's got some really good accounting courses, um, some really good trades courses as well. Um, but it's, it only offers so much. So the majority of people looking to pursue uh, a higher education will leave Bermuda. Canada is very popular. America is also uh, very popular for those who have American citizenship. And being as we are a part of the Commonwealth, we are entitled to British uh, citizenship. So Britain is also very popular for a lot of Bermudians. So I'd say those three countries are where most people would tend to go. And I, yeah, I noticed a lot of Canadians there and it seemed to be a hot spot for Canadians to travel to as well. And also for, for those in, in the UK and the British Isles to come down and travel to you. It, Bermuda is a British overseas territory. Do you, and you just mentioned the sort of privileges that you have with your, is it, British citizenship is it? Would that which is that what you're considered? Yeah, um, we. I have Bermudian citizenship, but I also have a uh, British citizenship. Yeah, that's interesting. And so, uh, do you get access? I mean, I don't. I don't know the specifics of what's offered in the UK, but in terms of, are a lot of college and university uh, expenses covered? for UK citizens? And if so, does that extend to Bermudans? I, I don't think that's the case, but I know with a lot of countries, there's um, two tiers for students. One would be um, for foreigners and one would be for um, natives. So my mom's actually Canadian. So I, I happen to have Canadian citizenship too. And because of that, my uh, my fees, my school fees were lower because even though I was a Bermudian resident, I'm considered a Canadian citizen as well. So, wow, you, you're like, a, you're, you've got all these, you got a, you got access to, uh, as a British citizen, a Bermudian citizen and also Canadian. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, very lucky in that regards. Yeah. And then I know that your girlfriend is from Denmark, right? Yeah, she is. Well, actually, she is born in Bermuda. She her her family is Danish, and she moved back to Denmark from Bermuda when she was eight. And she only returned to Bermuda again when she was like sixteen. So she's very much um, Danish, um, and I- in her kind of personality. Um, although she is technically uh, Bermudian. And I've noticed when I was in Bermuda, again, these are things you don't really learn or, or I should say pay attention to until you actually like visit a place sometimes. But talking to people, um, you know, obviously Bermuda's that's a, a very small population compared to a lot of places. I mean, for people who are listening, I lived in Tallahassee, Florida, the state capital of Florida, 
for eight years. And that is, you know, one of the smaller cities in Florida. I mean, it's, of course, you have a lot of sm- really small rural towns, but in terms of the state capital, and that city has about close to 250,000 people, 230. So I was thinking Tallahassee is about almost four times the size of population of Bermuda. So for those who have been to Tallahassee and can think about that, that's how small, but you know, obviously you're very densely populated in that small, you know, 21 mile long, two mile wide Island. But Mm -hmm. also this also means that you, you know, the country has to have some uh, really strong limits on immigration and also on, you know, property per purchasing property. And I, you know, somebody was telling me, and I don't know all the logistics and I'm sure there's all sorts of things. And, and I don't know, you know, what you know, but uh, that you only, only people that can own property in Bermuda are Bermudan citizens. I don't know. Is that right? Yes. Um, it's, it's really, really hard for non-Bermudians to buy uh, property here. There's, I've heard stories that Oprah Winfrey and Michael Jackson tried to purchase a home here. They actually both tried to purchase the same home and they were both um, denied. They couldn't get it, couldn't get the home because they just, they weren't Bermudian citizens. And a lot of people thought they were going to be sold the home because it was like a $50 million home. Nobody else had the, the kind of money right. to buy that besides people at that level. Um, and the home, it still took a couple of years to sell as well. But a lot of people uh, really wanted them to get it. They thought it would have just been good for the island um, just to help grow the reputation. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting. It's almost like a slippery slope because you, you think about if they own – if they're able to do it, then it's like, then who's the next person, right? That they're going to let do it. Uh, and maybe you, you start having this huge influx of outsiders. Uh, well, do you, do we know, did that home ever sell? And do we know who it sold to? It, it did eventually sell. Um, I'm not really sure who it sold to or exactly for how much, but um, it was, it was about like $50 million. Um, I heard something in that kind of range. So Nate, other than Oprah Winfrey and Michael Jackson, I remember uh, you know they they were not successful getting into Bermuda. But I know when I was there, I heard that there's quite a number of celebrities that make their way to Bermuda uh, for travel, but also some live there as well or, or own homes there. Tell me about a few uh, celebrities that may have been seen around your parts in Bermuda. So one of my personal favorite celebrities is a gentleman named Collie Buds. He is a reggae artist. He's released a couple of albums. I went to Jamaica to pick up the accent, I think in his early 20s. And besides him, all the other uh, celebrities that come to Bermuda really enjoy it because nobody here bothers them in the same way that they'd be bothered in America. Um, some people might take pictures, some people might ask for photographs, but they don't get swarmed. Um, they get treated like normal human beings, and I think that's what they appreciate. Um, I think that's kind of what the whole Bermudian culture is about, you know. Um, we're just down to earth people and that's how we decide to live our lives. 
another very famous gentleman you may or may not know is named Michael Bloomberg. He decides to fly himself here on his private jet from time to time. And yeah, I've never heard happened. of Michael Bloomberg. Oh, is that the gentleman that uh, ran for president and is worth a few billion dollars? Yeah, that that's him. Oh, okay. That's well, that's him. great. <laughs> I have actually, I've never unfortunately seen him in person. I would really love to, would be an honor. Um, well, you know, a lot of people don't see him very easily. He's kind of a little short and needs a podium sometimes, <laughs> uh, you know, a little step up to the podium, some steps. I'll tell so. you what, I'm pretty sure Michael Bloomberg is 5'6". Uh, my dad is 5'3 but, you know, we both like to round up to 5'4". And well, one of my favorite U.S. presidents uh, was about 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, that was James Madison. But those were the okay. days before before television, so... You know, he didn't have the advantage of uh, just people seeing him on TV, but also he didn't he didn't have the disadvantage of having to be seen everywhere either. <laughs> but no, Michael oh, Bloomberg's boy. done pretty well for himself. And uh, if uh, Nate, if you could arrange, if you've seen Michael Bloomberg, figure he's got some time on his hands now. Uh, but if you uh, if you see him around and can get him on the Agents of Innovation podcast, you know, maybe I'll buy you a beer or something. <laughs> oh boy, I am thirsty. Um, a little bit dehydrated, actually. Well, all that pool time, you know, on the yeah, weekends in yeah. Bermuda, it will do oh, that to boy. you. Oh fuck! I hate living next to the beach with a huge pool in the backyard. Sucks. So I heard, a, I heard a rumor that you live maybe near Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta Jones, who also live in Bermuda. You heard correct. Uh, Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta Jones actually live on the exact same street as me. Um, I could walk to their house in under a minute. Um, it's, it's gated, uh, obviously. <laughs> I'm not sure what kind of security have, they have. Have you ever had any interactions with them? Unfortunately not. Um, Michael Douglas is actually quite a, quite a big hero in my life. I'm a big fan of, uh, some of his movies. Um, I have seen him from a distance once or twice in a restaurant. I've never had the nerve to go up and interrupt his dinner. I think that's, you know, pretty fucking rude. <laughs> um, well you know you maybe when you see him you just be like hey um are you my neighbor <laughs> i've seen you around the neighborhood a little bit but anyway yeah. so that's pretty cool uh, uh, let's not get too too deep into this but uh but that's pretty cool that you know bermuda is uh, i guess i i wanted to ask you that because it's a very attractive place it's a place where people uh can really kind of be to themselves a little bit if they want um because you know it's, it's quite hard it's not, it's not an easy place to get to. Let's put it that way. And, uh, and yet it's a very, very nice and beautiful place. And Nate, let's kind of get back to your story a little bit. As, as uh, we took a little sidetrack here, I know you mentioned after you got out of college, you worked for Aon uh, doing, was that insurance or reinsurance or, or do they yeah, do both? It, it was insurance and you are correct. They do do both. I was working for the insurance arm of the business at the time I was a punitive lines broker um, while also remaining a technical assistant to the casualty team. Um, you know, anything just that they felt that they were too good to do, I would do it. Um, I, don't, I don't mean to put them down or sound negative in that sense, but it just, it is what it is. It wasn't for yeah. you. And then what, and you moved on just, you were there for almost two years. You mentioned earlier. Yep. I was a little shy of two years, a little shy. Um, 
And I'd actually been in the business actually two years because I spent some other time at a, another insurance brokerage firm called Willis Towers Watson. That, funny enough, just got bought out by Aon. Wow. Um, not, not sure if that's fucking well-timed. I actually think it's poor, poorly timed. But hey, it is what it is. Um, the fundamentals remain. Um, I spent time at both. I feel like I gained a ton of insight into the insurance industry. I understood how important it was. I understood that it does help the world revolve. Um, there's certain companies that just wouldn't take the risks that they do if they didn't have insurance backing them. So it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of interesting. Um, it's also so, kind of boring. And that's exactly why I had to get out of it. I just saw myself in a completely different space and time. When I got involved in it, I had kind of idolized it. I put it on a pedestal. And after a year and a half, two years of giving it my all, I realized it's not for me, Francisco. So what was for you? What was your next steps? I think working for myself has always been my end goal. My father uh, worked for himself. He still does. My grandfather uh, worked for himself. He's now retired. He's pretty old. Um, he's pushing 90. And I, I think that something about being my own boss always just resonated with me. It just, it just attracted me. There's something about setting your own hours and only having to report to yourself that just drives me. You know what I'm saying? Same yeah. with you. Um, you don't have anybody to report to. I mean, you are. Oh, I, oh, I have. Oh, I have people to report to. <laughs> but anyway, we'll get back to that. But but uh, I wanted to ask you. Um, so what did you do next? I, I know you, you, you know, we talked earlier about the photography you do and the photo booth you do, but what, yep. what, what was your next step after the insurance company? Yeah. Francisco, I did not miss a fucking beat. The day I woke up after quitting, I went straight to it. I knew what I wanted to do. Um, funny enough, what I wanted to do didn't actually come to fruition. I wanted to be an alcohol importer of certain alcohols that weren't currently imported in Bermuda. One of them was called Hey Y'all. Uh, it is a hard iced tea manufacturer from British Columbia, Canada. They are not comfortable selling to me um, because they're so brand new. I'm actually about to hit them up again and see if they're down to sell it to me a year later. Another one was an alcohol manufacturer from Indonesia. And they struggled to read English. So we didn't do too well either. So I actually moved towards photography and what ended up being photo booth rentals because my girlfriend who worked for the photography company that sold me that branch of the business, I ended up managing it, the photo booth uh, portion of the business for this photography company for about three months. From January to March, I realized that it was profitable. I knew they wanted to sell it. I knew I wanted to buy it. And I ended up doing that. 
On top of that, I also branched out into laser light industries. Um, I do laser light shows. Um, we can also do advertising, just static, dynamic um, movements, any type of color you can envision. We are super creative and we are down to try and meet any um, requests you have. The reason I did get into the laser light industry is because the fireworks industry in Bermuda completely died. Do you know why? Why is that? It, the government was just putting up too much red tape. They were making it hard for the people to import. They were making it hard for them to actually set them off. You had to go to specific. It was a private island. We live in Bermuda. We're an island. But it's a private island on an island. On an island. And then you had to clean up that island. And so long story short, it was too hard and they made too little money and it was actually fucking life threatening. So they said, you know what, Nathan, don't do it because that's what I was trying to do. They were like, think about lasers. So you know what? <laughs> I went out, I went out to Montreal in Canada. Oh, I love Montreal. Laser light convention. I made a fucking fantastic. Um, I met some guys from uh, Canada we really hit it off. Um, they were in the industry for over 10 years. They had all their equipment at this uh, show in Montreal. We made a fantastic relationship. I actually brought one of them down to Bermuda to teach me exactly what I need to do to be successful. His name is Nicholas. Um, and ever since then, that's what one of the things I've been doing. I have been struggling to market it correctly but with all this free time on my hands because of the coronavirus i've been taping videos i've been making uh i've been doing photography and i think it's gonna go well man great so let's go uh, i want to go back a little bit so for people you 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 were managing the photo booth company and tell me the name of the company again bermuda photo booth rentals Bermuda Photo Booth Rentals. And I'm assuming somebody Googles that, that'll come up. What's the website? BDAphotobooth.com. BDAphotobooth.com. Okay. So uh, that is typically where people, you know, we, many people probably listening have been at an event where there's sort of a mobile photo booth. If not, you at least know about, you know, those sort of traditional photo booths in the mall where you put in the money and you get in there with your girlfriend and you take a picture and you kiss each other five different ways and do little goofy <laughs> things. But the, uh, but basically the mobile photo booth, these are things people maybe have at weddings or conferences, things like that, where it's sort of, you're there as the person kind of manning it. But for the most part, once people figure it out and they have their little props and they put on funny faces and all these things, uh, they, kind of work it themselves and they get the pictures and, and the person or entity who is sort of hosting the event uh, are the ones that basically are your client. You're, they're paying you so that their guest can have a fun time at the photo booth and bring home memories from the event that they did. That's pretty much the, the setup, right? Hey, Francisco, you have hit the nail right on the head. That's exactly what it is. Um, we do not charge the people who use the photo booth, 
Um, we charge on an hourly basis to the person who is hosting the event. Reason being is just because I think it works better. You know, instead of charging somebody like four or five dollars per photo, which will require me to hire an additional assistant, um, it's just a basic flat rate. And after you've paid that, we will show up and we will perform and we will help you make memories. We're going to show up equipped with props. We will have your uh, interface and print strips, which is what prints out the side of the photo booth and thing is touch screen to match the theme of your event. And we'll have any logos or wording you request. And we are also providing an assistant to make sure that the photo booth runs continuously, nonstop, uh, for the entire time your event is happening. And, and Nate, also, based on what you said, you were your girlfriend was first working for the company, and then you started working for them. And then after a couple of years, you actually bought it from them, and, and now you, uh, you own it. Yeah, you definitely, you heard right, Francisco. You are and, not wrong. And in the um, process of that, you also started a laser light company. I think it's called The Beam Team. Is that right? It is. You are correct. So we heard you talk about uh, how you transitioned from attempting to do like fireworks and things like that to lasers. And uh, tell us a little bit. I mean, we, we heard what you mentioned before. Uh, in terms of all the different things you do, maybe tell us of a typical average kind of event uh, or maybe something recent that you've done that you can describe. And then I also want you to tell us about the big event that you were expected to uh, be hired for before this uh, coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so to, to begin with, there is no typical event. Um, everything is different and we are more than happy to accommodate any requests, uh, any color themes. Um, we're super, super diverse in the sense that we can do static, which is like exciting movement based, uh, laser light shows. We can do, sorry, static is, um, no movement. Uh, dynamic is movement. And we can also do advertising as long as we have a wall or a non-reflective surface to project on. Um, we can create logos. We can actually uh, make those logos move. We can create laser light shows that sync up to music or songs. And we can make this anywhere from three to two and a half minutes to three and two and a half hours. We are more than happy to set up on a on a rig, um, something that is uh, a part of a parade. We were part of the Christmas parade in Bermuda just last year, and it ended up being fantastic. But what I got to say is the most important part of a laser show is the fog. Um, you definitely need fog, putting fog in the air provides more particles for the laser light beams to bounce off of, and they're just easier to see. So at the end of the day, we are down to attempt anything. We aim to please our clients. 
We want to meet their budget requirements. We don't want to make any, anybody break the bank. We are just, we're here to serve. And we just want to, we want to impress the country. We want to impress our clients and we just want to thrive. And although this environment is a really tough one to thrive in, we will end up being okay. At the end of the day, um, it's not about us. It's, it's about our clients and we want them to be happy with the services we provide them with. So Nate, also when I was in Bermuda for the Bermuda Entrepreneurship Summit, and I don't know if this is part of one of your companies, but I know you and your girlfriend and a couple others provided for uh, a select number of us from the uh, summit, a sort of a fire show at poolside. And tell us about, you guys were, uh, I don't know what you call that, fire twirling, fire dancing. I don't know. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Is that part of something you provide uh, at events? Yes, it 100% is, Francisco. Um, So the company is called Vivid Elements. And it is actually run by my girlfriend. She is the one who got me into fire performing. And she now runs, manages, operates the company. Um, Tell us the name of the company again. Vivid Elements. Vivid Elements. So if you're in Bermuda, Vivid Elements uh, will actually add some fire to your party. And I know uh, both you guys and I think maybe another person or two came out there and and, and yeah. twirled this, yeah. these, these <laughs> sticks of fire. Yeah. And it was quite entertaining, man. You guys are multi-talented. So you are yeah. sort of, um, for lack of a better term, you're one of the performers. In, I am one of the performers. Yes. I'll tell you what, though, Francisco, the only reason I ever started being becoming a fire dancer was to just impress my girlfriend um that's a good that's a good (laughs) and and Um, and you have to be sure you're doing it right to impress her and not disappoint her oh boy i've disappointed her many a time but but uh when it comes to fire performing i do aim to please so (laughs) we we have a couple different um instruments we have what are called poi um which is balls of fire at the end of a chain which you swing um we also have a staff, which is uh, like a rod with balls of fire at the end. Um, we have what are called fire hands, which are uh, something you strap to your hands and it makes it look like you're just holding a ball of fire. Um, and we also have what are called fans. Um, as you can imagine, it looks like a typical Japanese fan, but it's got balls of fire at the end of them. And we have a couple other different things as well. Uh, uh, I feel like I'm just I'm just hearing Jerry Lewis's "Great Balls of Fire" so in my head as you're talking <laughs> about this. But uh, but no, that was really cool. And so uh, what I want to go back to here though is uh, so you've got the photo booth, you've got the laser light show. Uh, you know, it's bdaphotoboot.com. You got the Beam Team Laser Light Show, and tell us about uh, and then of course you you perform uh, there with uh, Vivid Elements as a a fire dancer performer. Um, yeah. Tell us about the laser light show. I know you were going to be hired uh, for the opening ceremony of the upcoming 
uh, is it it's at the Caribbean Free Trade Association sort of games? That is exactly what it is, Francisco. Uh, but we here like to shorten it down to the Carifta Games. Carifta so, uh, Games. Uh, Carifta, these were the the 2020 games that were slated to be in Bermuda. Yes, and they were, and we're super excited to host all the Caribbean nations. Um, it was going to be a big uh, stimulus to the economy. And unfortunately, a bunch of countries pulled out. And that was supposed to be right, like coming up right now in April, right? April 10th was the opening ceremony, which happens to be a Good Friday. Um, mm. And then it was going to end on the Monday. And unfortunately, we just had to cancel it. The government had to shut all social gatherings down that consist of 50 people or more. Um, they're actually not to mention all the people traveling internationally exactly. from outside Bermuda, right? Um, Jam- Jamaica's got cases, Bar- uh, Bahama has cases, Barbados has cases, Barbuda has cases. And uh, we just, it's really not fair to the people attending, it's not fair to the athletes, and it's just super unwise to go ahead and put something like that on. You know, as we're talking, the uh, the Olympic Games in Tokyo, which are a much bigger deal, right? I mean, the Olympics only exactly, once every yeah. four years gathers the no whole world. Yes, Those yes. were also postponed. Uh, and luckily, they looks like they've reached an agreement to actually ho- hold those games in 2021. What's the, uh, what's the latest on the... Can you tell me the name of these games again? The Carifta? It is the Carifta. The Carifta, C-A-R-I-F-T-A, right? Carifta Games. Yes, uh, and the Carifta stands for uh, the Caribbean, C-A-R-I, Free Trade uh, Agreement, Caribbean. Yeah. International Free Trade Agreement, Carifta. Things might change by the time this uh, podcast goes live, but have you heard anything about uh because it looks like the Carifta Games 2021 was already scheduled to be in Guyana so what what are they doing are they are is Bermuda being considered to host it at some future date it's it's honestly so so hard to tell they actually haven't made statements um I don't think anybody really knows what's about to happen in these trying times. So to make a decision is just almost unrealistic. Um, maybe is it, is it worth just pushing it all back a year? Um, is it worth just giving up altogether? I don't know. Um, I know we did not commit millions of dollars to infrastructure to make this happen. Right. But I also know the uh, government was making predictions for GDP based on these games happening here. Sure. So it's, it's definitely hard to say. It's definitely hard to say. And the funny thing is, I know the people that um, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, even though they're happening in 2021, are still going to be referred to as the 2020 Olympics. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. So, so as, as we're talking about the types of things you do, Nate, it seems like a lot of your business model, photography, photo booths, lasers, yeah, all that is geared around events. And right now, people, all events have been canceled, postponed. Uh, how is this working for you? I know you, you sounded like you were taking 
this time to do to work on some marketing and some other things that you've kind of not gotten to. Uh, but how is how how is uh, this affecting you economically and your business? And what are your what's your strategy right now? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely um, impacting the bottom line. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people whose events were coming up in these next like two to three months have canceled. Um, and in an effort to just, you know, um, be a positive force within the community, we have given back all money to people who have canceled their events and requested us to cancel. Um, we have, we have no hard feelings against people who are wanting to do that. We totally understand. Um, unfortunately it's, it's going to hurt us. It's definitely going to hurt us. It's definitely going to prevent us from making money. There is no doubt. Um, the only question is how long will this last? But I, I guess another question to ask is how long will this impact people's uh, perception of social gatherings? It's honestly just unbelievable. It's crazy. And just two months ago, late January, I would have never guessed this would have fucking impacted not only my business, but my country to this extent. Um, The uh, premier of Bermuda, who is the equivalent of the president of America, has just implemented uh, 8 p.m. curfew. Island. Wow, 8 p.m. That's early. 8 p.m. 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. You are not allowed to be on the road. If um, just- let me ask you something too. At yeah. this point, have uh, have have they shut down things like restaurants and bars? Yes. yes. So you can't those, have those, any gatherings at any no, of those places. You cannot. You cannot. That's been that way for a while. Yeah. Um, the supermarkets have set out um, tape on the um, yeah wow. outside. Yeah. Um, How many people they people. let in and where you got to yeah. stand in yeah. line. Yeah. 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 Um, 40 people maximum in a supermarket and they've set out tape to show where you should stand in relation to the people in front and in back of you in the line. Yeah, it is really interesting as I reflect and sit here and and see how everybody is responding. And for the most part, I actually, I don't know if I want to say I'm surprised how much voluntary compliance there's been by the public other than, you know, government standards and things like that. And people seem to be so far a few weeks in just kind of doing their good social responsibility. Of course, in Florida, we had the crazy spring breakers who were on video cameras saying, well, it's my spring break. I'm doing what I want. I don't care if I catch coronavirus. But I like to remind people, those are mostly not Floridians. Those are mostly uh, college kids from outside Florida, maybe a few Florida schools. Uh, (laughs) So just people don't forget that. But, But the other thing, though, is I do think overall people have been pretty good um, and the curfews, people have been abiding by those. Uh, 8 p.m. sounds really early. We have 11 p.m. in many places in Florida, including where I live in Orlando, and it's 11 to, to 5 a.m. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also think it's very interesting how innovative people have been with what you're s- seeing, right? Like here, there's two days a week where most grocery stores 
are saying, hey, our first hour or two in the morning are going to be devoted to senior citizens and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pregnant women and mm-hmm. those at risk. And, and then you start seeing lines building up outside these stores early in the morning or different times. And yep. so now they've gone to putting these measures in, okay, only so many people in at a time. Here's tape where you, so, cause you had these lines where all these people were congregated together and it's like, that doesn't make sense. Um, but now you, you're saying like these, these pieces of tape that are like six feet apart going down the, the, the walkway to the store, um, where people are, are distancing themselves, uh, and, and then being allowed in. So anyway, I, I just see all these innovative things. And of course, now the real innovation is going to come in, in solving this and curing people, coming up with scientific and medical innovations. And, um, and also, I just think it's crazy how much data there's available to us instantaneously online. Almost every new case online uh, is uploaded somewhere where it makes it onto this Johns Hopkins University website yes. and some other websites, and you can yep. see the death toll every day. So this has never happened before, I don't think, in world history. No, I don't, I don't think data And actually shut things down. Because let me tell you, if, if, if we didn't have all that, I don't think, I don't think that we would have... Um, I don't think that we would have, uh, you know, even noticed this was going on if we didn't have this kind of data uh, up, up to date, you know, it, it would, it would just be like, why did, why did grandpa just die? You know? Um, so, you know, but anyway, uh, off, off that digression for a minute, but, but as you were saying, you know, yeah, people there, you know, you're, you're having to cope with the economic repercussions. It's definitely affecting your bottom line as a, as a, as a small business owner. Um, but I think for what you do to events, we are going to see how will this affect people's perception of events going forward and then how will that affect you and i wish you well in the in the months ahead to see how that transitions but what are you doing right now with your time not doing events i am taking full advantage of the free time to create um videos that i'm going to use for marketing um that's that's my 100% main focus. I am funny enough creating laser light show um, performances in my one bedroom apartment. I'm gonna post them. Funny enough, I'm gonna post them online tonight. I'll make sure to tag you. Um, I really can't showcase the photo booth and photography services. Um, because number one, I don't have the photo booth in my one bedroom apartment. Yeah. And secondly, I uh, am taking this quarantine measure seriously. So I'm actually not hanging out with my good friends. So I don't have anybody to video me taking photos or videos. Um, so let me ask you something, Nate. Where um, I know I follow you on Instagram and Facebook. Tell our audience where they can follow you on any of the social media or websites. Yeah, they can find me at my mate Nate. Once that's again, my dot mate dot Nate, right? Yes, yeah, my dot mate dot Nate. My mate so Nate. Mate is M A T E dot Nate N A T E. Yeah, you okay, So mate. they can follow you there and um, and and see some of the videos you're posting on both your account and in your stories. And I know you've got some saved stories there where people can see some things as well. And also. They can check out your uh, 
Muay Thai, if I pronounce that right, and all you're doing in, uh, in that arena. Uh, so we could see some of your training and some of your competitions. And what else can we, um, could we follow here or any, or any last parting comments you want to make? Um, you can definitely, like you said, follow me on my mate, Nate. I am going to be posting, uh, just some videos of my own personal quarantine of how <laughs> I'm trying to stay positive and, uh, just send it, you know, um, just make it happen. Um, just live my life to the fullest, uh, by myself. I don't know about you, but I am my own favorite company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, well also Nate, I know you also, uh, just briefly, can you tell us, uh, you mentioned at the beginning of this episode that you started your very first job was in construction with your dad's construction company. And then you had another construction job a little bit later in your teens or so. Uh, now, yeah. in addition to all this, I heard you're also doing um, some other things for another construction company. Tell us about that. So I am working for a construction company doing uh, retail sales and marketing. And pretty much I just sell material to anybody who's looking to buy some. I also create videos and photographs and post those on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook to just try and drum up some business. But you know what? I am actually trying to branch into TikTok. I'm well aware of what it is and what's happening on it. And I would just, you know, really love to be a part of it. It's, it's funny because a lot of people I've talked to about it view it as just some teenage girl social media platform, but I view it as an opportunity. I think it's something that's undervalued and one day we'll be charging people to post their content there. But it's, Oh, I'm sure. It's funny. I was, someone was just telling me the other day they were on TikTok and I go, I'm not on TikTok. I do not want to be on TikTok, but totally this is how it all starts. TikTok. It no, all we starts. We should both be on TikTok. How about we both start TikTok? Oh, they don't do this to me. I got, I got Instagram and, um, you know, for, for a little bit, I was on Snapchat. I think I still have my Snapchat, but I never use it. Um, and, and so, so people have now migrated Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, yes. TikTok. That seems to be the progression. Yeah. I also, I, I definitely got to load up my own fucking Twitter uh, account. Um, I don't, I don't love Twitter. I used to use Twitter. Um, but every now and then I get hit with a self-realization quotation that I feel like it just needs to be posted. Right, right. Well, we've got at the Agents of Innovation podcast, we have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. No, uh, no innovations yet to <laughs> to go to TikTok, but but we'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll be the first one to follow you, Francisco. Well, thank you, Nate. Well, we will follow you on your current social media. If you end up on TikTok, we will definitely post a link to that from the agentsofinnovation.org website where there'll be an article about this episode. 
Um, but I want to just give you now the final, final last word on anything you want to convey to our audience about really anything regarding entrepreneurship or anything you've learned along the way and or any way you want to send us off. Um, really putting me on the spot. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I feel like you just need to follow your heart. Uh, whatever you're passionate about, you got to do it. If at the end of the day, if you just want to make money, you know, find something that makes you money. Um, you don't have to love it. Uh, you just have to love the outcome. I honestly do not love making money. I do not love money. My goal is not to make money. My goal is freedom. But the tool to create freedom is money. And that's why I do what I do. I'm passionate about photography. And that's why I jumped into the photo booth services. I was passionate about creating experiences and making people feel excited. That's why I got into lasers. Um, it's I don't necessarily love every piece of what I do, but there is love uh, embedded in what I do in one way or another. So that's why I continue to have this drive. I continue to push myself. And at the end of the day, as long as you're making yourself happy and you're excited about what you do, I think you can also make your clients excited and happy about the services that you provide them. And if that's what you're doing, then you're not going to fail. Well, that's awesome. That's a great, uh, that's a great message and a great send off. And Nate, I just want to thank you for taking the time away from the pool in Bermuda to join (laughs) us on the agents of innovation podcast. I think I heard you crack a beer. So go ahead and, I go back out to the pool with that beer, Nate, and uh, and then you can listen to uh, the next episode of the Agents of Innovation podcast. I honestly can't today. wait to hear it. It's my fucking favorite podcast in the world, Francisco. Thank you so much for having me on here. I am feeling very honored to be a part of it. And once again, it was fucking great to hear your voice, buddy. Can't great wait to, hear to hear you back. And we'll see you back in Bermuda soon. Can't wait soon. to have you. Exactly. I shouldn't let my memories be embedded with fear I shouldn't let my future keep me from what's already here It's all laid out, all laid Remember all the miracles Be thankful
Help.